Welcome to the Oxford University Psychiatry podcast series. You're here with Daniel Morn and Charlotte Allen, both advanced trainees in Oxford Deanery. Today we're going to be talking about schizophrenia. This is a very important condition in psychiatry and is one that's sometimes difficult to understand, especially for students first starting out in the discipline. So Daniel, maybe we could begin by asking what the word schizophrenia actually means. Schizophrenia actually means split mind. But importantly, this doesn't mean split personality. Often people equate a schizophrenia diagnosis with a Jekyll and Hyde type of presentation. But this is actually quite far off from the truth. The term schizophrenia was first coined by Bloiler in 1908 and was intended to describe the separation or splitting of the different functions of the mind between personality, thinking, memory and perception. It sounds then that like schizophrenia affects a huge number of different cognitive and mental functions, but can you say exactly what it is? Yes, you are right. It, it does affect lots of different cognitive functions and I think the most important thing to realise is is it is a serious mental illness. It's characterised by psychotic symptoms, including hallucinations, delusions and thought disorder. Schizophrenia affects a person's ability to distinguish between what's real and what's not real. As a result, they can begin to think, feel and behave in ways that are out of character from, for them. And they can begin to develop beliefs that are not real. They can begin to experience things which aren't real and their thoughts can become disjointed and confused at times. And as a result of all these different things going on, they can often become distressed or fearful, sometimes agitated. How common is it? Well, there's an overall lifetime risk of about 1%. The onset is characteristically between 15 and 45 years. Unlike men, Interestingly, women show a, a bimodal peak of incidence um, across the ages, with 10% of women having their first onset in middle age. There is a slight male preponderance, which is more pronounced in more severe forms as well. I think you've given us a good idea about what schizophrenia is overall. Can you tell us a little bit about the symptoms of schizophrenia? Yes, the symptoms can be grouped into two main categories, positive and negative symptoms. Positive symptoms are called positive because they don't appear normally in the general population, but they are present in those with schizophrenia. These include hallucinations and delusions. Negative symptoms are deficits of normal function, such as reduced emotional responses, or confused thought processes. Other negative symptoms include social withdrawal or poor motivation as well. And can you say anything about what causes schizophrenia? Well, the causes are multifactorial and include genetics, life stressors, obstetric complications, drug and alcohol use. There are many different causes and it can be quite hard in any given individual to really pinpoint what the causes might be. 
You mentioned genetics, though. So is schizophrenia a heritable condition? It is a heritable condition, but due to the polygenetic contribution to the condition, it's more accurate, actually, to say that a person inherits a vulnerability of developing the condition rather than the condition itself. In other words, schizophrenia might develop due to the cumulative effects of several gene polymorphisms. It's, although it should be noted that those with schizophrenia are a genetically heterogeneous group and it's likely that both genetic and non-genetic forms exist. Okay. You also mentioned drug and alcohol use. Can you tell me a bit more about the contribution of substance misuse to schizophrenia? Well, it's widely accepted that psychoactive drugs such as amphetamines, cannabis, LSD and ketamine can provoke psychotic symptoms in both those with schizophrenia and actually healthy controls. There was a, a well-known lar uh, large cohort study in Sweden of actually of their of their military conscripts, and they found that cannabis intake at 18 years of age was associated with an increased risk of later psychosis, with a, a relative risk of 2.5. And interestingly, this this increased to a six-fold uh, risk for heavy users. So. That study is quite well known because it, it shows um, a dose-related effect um, and it's, it's accepted that cannabis clearly does increase the risk. But its impact on the development of schizophrenia, some say now, is not as great as previously feared. OK, so there's some evidence that it, it might increase the risk, but it's not necessarily going to lead to schizophrenia. That's right. Are there any other risk factors that might contribute to the development of schizophrenia? In theory, any environmental stressor or significant life event can trigger the development of schizophrenia. Factors such as social adversity, social isolation, migrant status and in fact urban life as well. The, there are many different factors that are associated with an increased risk. In the past, schizophrenia was known as a functional illness because it was thought that there were no actual changes in the brain. But I know that now we've got a lot more advanced tools to investigate brain structure, things like neuroimaging, and I just wondered if you could say anything more about the structural brain abnormalities that are found in schizophrenia. Yes, there have been many studies that uh, use structural imaging techniques, such as CT or MRI scanning, that show consistent abnormalities in people with schizophrenia, including decreased brain volume, particularly of the frontal and temporal lobes, thalamus and white matter tracts. Enlarged third and lateral ventricles are, is a common finding. Small and medial temporal lobes, decreased cortical grey matter and reduced cerebral asymmetry are, are other common findings. It sounds like there are quite a lot of macrostructural changes then. How about on the microstructural level? Is there any evidence to suggest that there's anything going wrong in terms of neurochemicals in the brain? Yes, the main neurochemical implemented in uh, schizophrenia is dopamine. Um, this was originally actually due to the accidental finding that phenothiazine drugs, which blo block dopamine function, reduce psychotic symptoms. 
Another factor which supports this dopamine hypothesis is that amphetamines, which trigger the release of dopamine, can induce psychotic symptoms in healthy individuals and those in schizophrenia, as I mentioned earlier. In addition to this, all antipsychotic drugs are dopamine receptor antagonists, and or, or at least interact with the dopamine in a modulating fashion, as some of the okay. modern drugs do. And there's been a good study showing that affinity with the D2 receptor correlates with clinical potency of the medication. It sounds like dopamine is then a very important chemical in schizophrenia. Are there any others that are also important? Yes, more recently glutamate has been found to be involved, in particular the NMDA glutamate receptor. Antagonists of this NMDA receptor, such as ketamine or phenylcyclidine, or PCP as it's more commonly known, can induce a schizophrenia-like psychosis. How would you actually go about diagnosing schizophrenia? Well, I think it's best that we focus on the subtype of paranoid schizophrenia here. There are other subtypes, including hebephrenic and catatonic, but these are much less common. Okay, so we'll focus on paranoid schizophrenia for today. Okay, so if we use the um, World Health Organization's ICD-10 diagnostic criteria, then you would need specific symptoms for at least one month. This is opposed to the American DSM system, where you would need symptoms for at least six months for a diagnosis. So, taking the um, World Health Organization, the ICD-10 criteria, which is what we use here in the UK, you need either one primary symptom or two secondary symptoms for at least one month. And what are the primary symptoms? Primary symptoms include thought echo, thought insertion, thought withdrawal and thought broadcast. Can you explain what these are? Well, first of all, dealing with thought echo, this is the perception that your thoughts are being heard out loud. So that's actually a hallucination. Moving on to thought insertion, withdrawal and broadcast... Thought insertion is the belief that somebody else or something else is inserting thoughts in your head. Thought withdrawal is the belief that somebody or something is taking thoughts out of your head. And thought broadcast is the belief that your thoughts are being broadcast, a bit like a radio, into other people's heads. OK, and are there any other primary symptoms? Yes, there's, there's quite a list. There, next, there's delusions of control, influence or passivity. These are beliefs that somehow you are being affected uh, by an external agency or someone else. So you believe that you're being controlled. Your movements are being controlled. Your thoughts are being controlled. Your emotions are being controlled somehow, maybe telepathically or by some other method. Are there any other symptoms? Yes, delusional perception is a, a, a primary symptom. And this is an interesting symptom which is thought to occur at the onset of a psychotic episode where it is a, you have a, a normal perception that's followed by a delusional interpretation of that normal perception. Can you give me an example of delusional perception? An example of this might be um, seeing a red car, for instance, uh, walking down the when you walk down the street, and then coming to the belief that seeing the red car means that you're being followed by the MI5, for instance.
we've covered quite a number of primary symptoms. I'll just run through them. So it's thought echo, insertion, withdrawal or broadcast. Also delusions of control, influence or passivity and delusional perception. Are there any other primary symptoms? Yes, there are. No, this, this group here is about hallucinations. There are specific hallucinations um, which are auditory and they are quite specific and they're for schizophrenia and they include hallucinatory voices giving running commentary of what the person is doing in a given moment. So, for instance, um, talking about... Um, the fact they're cooking dinner and they're making themselves a cup of tea and they're sitting down and watching TV. So it's a running commentary. Another example of a hallucination that's a primary symptom is third-person hallucinations, which is when a number of different voices are talking about the patient. And the last primary symptom, which is a hallucination, is that of a voice coming from uh, another part of their body. For instance, their little toe is speaking to them. Are there any other primary symptoms or have we covered them all? The last one is a persistent delusion which is culturally inappropriate or impossible and classically has a bizarre nature to it. You say classically it has a bizarre content but I suppose of course it might be a fairly ordinary content and that might make it quite difficult to detect. Yes, for instance the fact that I might be going out with the Queen is theoretically possible and therefore not a primary symptom. The fact that I might be the Queen is impossible and therefore is a primary symptom if it is uh, persistent and culturally inappropriate. Thanks. What about the secondary symptoms? Can you tell me what those are? Yes. Uh, secondary symptoms start with persistent hallucinations of any modality within any sense. For instance, an olfactory or smell or visual hallucination, for instance, which is accompanied by a fleeting or half-formed delusion. Thought disorder, which is well presents as incoherent or irrelevant speech, but can often be experienced as c confusion by the patient. Catatonic behaviour, which is a disturbance of psychomotor function, uh, actually can be observed in a variety of uh, disorders. And negative symptoms, including apathy, blunting of emotions and social withdrawal. Can you say a little bit about the prognosis of schizophrenia? Yes, schizophrenia is a major cause of disability, and although most people with schizophrenia live independently, they do often require some degree of ongoing management from mental health services and community support services. People having a first episode of psychosis roughly have a one in three chance of a, a good long-term outcome with no further episodes. Another third tend to have a relapsing remitting course, and, and roughly the last third have a tend to have more of a poor outcome with some ongoing residual symptoms. Other factors that affect prognosis include response to antipsychotic medication, ongoing drug use or life stresses, and frequent exposure to situations with a high expressed emotional content. Can you say what you mean by that? 
Yes, it's really important to have a low stimulus environment. Uh, it's important that patients who have schizophrenia aren't um, exposed to, for instance, um, difficult uh, arguments or uh, fights or um, situations with a high emotional content. If, does that make sense? Yeah, I think that does, yes. Does schizophrenia affect life expectancy? Yes, um, schizophrenia does result in a, a decreased life expectancy of between 12 and 15 years. Um, although this is primarily because of its association with obesity and sedentary lifestyles and smoking. Suicide uh, also plays um, a role in increasing the risk, although not as much as uh, with bipolar disorder. People with schizophrenia have an increased risk of cardiovascular disease and that's why promoting good physical health is really important and being aware of the risks associated with some of the long-term antipsychotic medication we give patients. And because of these factors, it's really important that metabolic monitoring uh, such as fasting lipids, glucose, amongst other blood tests, should be performed every three to six months. Can you actually cure schizophrenia? Well, uh, no, you can't. But there, there are effective treatments that can significantly improve symptoms. The most suitable paradigm, potentially, for thinking about the management of schizophrenia is that of chronic disease management. It's a bit like managing diabetes in a way. You can't cure diabetes, but you can, you, can, you can manage it very effectively. It's an ongoing condition, schizophrenia, that requires long-term medication and lifestyle modification. But with the correct package, the person can do very well. It's good to have an encouraging message, because I think it is a condition which can be very difficult, can be very disabling. So it's good to know that with the right supports, um, people can live well. Could you say a little bit more about the management and first tell me a bit about the pharmacological management? The mainstay of treatment uh, pharmacologically is antipsychotic medication. There is uh, interestingly little evidence for any difference in the um, efficacy and effectiveness of the different antipsychotics. We talk about first generation and second generation antipsychotics a lot and actually the main way that they differ is not necessarily in their efficacy but more in the different side effects that they give. So NICE guidance actually suggests that you should discuss with the patient what medication would most suit them by reviewing each medication's side effect profile. Can you say what the side effects are with each of those groups of drugs? Yes, um, most antipsychotics do give you some level of sedation, but the two main groups of antipsychotics each t have their own characteristic side effect profile. First generation antipsychotics such as haloperidol have uh, movement side effects. We call these extrapyramidal side effects. They're called extrapyramidal side effects because they affect the pathways in the brain and the spine to do with movement that are not the pyramidal tracts, hence extrapyramidal. And the second generation antipsychotics, such as olanzapine or quetiapine, tend to cause more weight gain and tend to be more sedative again uh, over and above the first generation antipsychotics. What would happen if antipsychotic medication isn't effective? If a patient has been trialled on two antipsychotics at a reasonable dose for at least eight weeks and remains experiencing significant symptoms, 
then we would look to uh, thinking about the medic uh, medication called clozapine, which has been proven to be effective in treatment-resistant schizophrenia. Clozapine's use is restricted because it has a serious side effect of causing agranulocytosis. So we use clozapine, and, it, and it's actually a very good medication, but we need to do several um, types of monitoring before they start clozapine, and then we'd need to monitor their full blood count every week for six months, and then every other week for the year, and then monthly thereafter. After we've tried clozapine, we would move towards different combination of antipsychotics, but this really is best avoided if possible, given the risks associated with combinations of antipsychotic medications. And in this case, if we do use um, polypharmacy, then extra physical monitoring of the patient is required. Given some of the side effects associated with antipsychotics, would psychological therapies be appropriate for schizophrenia? Yes, psychological treatments would be appropriate, but I think it's important to realise that patients do need to have pharmacological therapy as their mainstay of treatment. Psychological treatment would be seen as additional to the pharmacological um, intervention. And CBT can be used in schizophrenia and has been seen to help reduce anxiety and paranoia associated with chronic psychotic symptoms. So CBT is targeting the symptom, the psychotic symptoms particularly and how patients experience those as a way of reducing the distress caused by them. That's right, CBT doesn't challenge the delusions necessarily or, or the experience of hallucinations. It rolls with the, ex the experiences the patient set, experience, has and says, OK, well, if you do feel followed all the time, how can we help you with that belief? Another psychological treatment is family therapy, which, as I mentioned earlier um, about high-expressed emotions, family therapy is a specific intervention to, to try and reduce that. Um, if high-expressed emotions are present in a patient's family, it can seriously affect their prognosis. How about social interventions? Can they be helpful for schizophrenia? Well, yes. Social management should always be a fundamental part of a patient's care package. Schizophrenia can be socially isolating and can lead to difficulties in maintaining independence. And for that reason, a social worker can help sorting out their benefits and their housing. An occupational therapist can help structure day activities and monitor safety in the home environment. And a support group can help with the patient's recovery. Um, as can ensuring that the patient has adequate employment support and advice. Is there anything else that we should think about in terms of management? Well, the fact that the experience of being psychotic um, can be so very alarming and distressing, it can, that can lead to the patient posing a significant risk both to themselves and others. And this, alongside the frequent lack of insight that is associated with schizophrenia, can mean that admission to hospital is required. It may also be that the Mental Health Act is needed to admit the patient against their will for assessment and treatment. But admission is usually reserved for those cases where community management has failed or where the patient poses significant risks to themselves or others. 
Before we finish, are there any final points that you'd like to make? Well, I think what mustn't be forgotten is that if the patient has a carer, then reviewing the carer's needs is important as well. As a, a psychotic illness can have a big impact on those closest to the patients. So a, in this case, a carer's assessment and referral to a carer support group can be very helpful. Thank you very much. That was a good overview, I think, of the causes of schizophrenia and also the approaches to treatment and management. I hope that's been useful for our listeners. Thank you very much.